Welcome to the TPS 5 for the week of April 16, 2021. TPS 5 is a weekly recap of the latest in marketing, communications, and digital healthcare news as created by the expert hosts of the Touchpoint Media Network. To learn more about Touchpoint Media, visit us online at touchpoint.health. Our lead story this week comes from the New York Times and is entitled, Is Femtech the Next Big Thing in Healthcare? which shares that startups and tech companies are creating products to address women's healthcare needs. And while it's a still small segment of the overall market, it has tremendous growth potential. Women represent half of the planet's population. Despite that, tech companies catering to their specific healthcare needs represent only a small share of the global technology market. In 2019, the femtech industry, which is defined as software and technology companies addressing women's biological needs, generated $820 million in global revenue and received $592 million in venture capital investments, according to PitchBook, a financial data and research company. That same year, the ride-sharing app Uber alone raised $8.1 billion in an initial public offering. That difference is significant, and even more so when you consider women spend an estimated $500 billion a year on medical expenses. A multitude of apps and tech companies have sprung up in the last decade to address women's needs, including tracking menstruation and fertility, as well as offering solutions for pregnancy, breastfeeding, and menopause. Medical startups have also stepped in to address the prevention and support the management of serious medical conditions that are impacting women such as cancer. The market potential is huge, said Michelle Tempest, a partner at the London-based healthcare consultancy Candesic and a psychiatrist by training. There's definitely an increasing appetite for anything in the world which is technology and a realization that female consumer power has arrived in healthcare. One of the initial reasons women-related needs have not been a big part of technology development is that life sciences research has historically been male-centric. For example, in 1977, the FDA deliberately excluded women of childbearing age from taking part in drug trials. Even up to now, women have been underrepresented in drug trials because of a belief that fluctuations caused by menstrual cycles could affect trial results, and also because if a woman got pregnant after taking a trial drug, that drug could affect the fetus. Now, the term femtech was coined by Ida Tin, a Danish-born founder of Clue, a period and ovulation tracking app established in Germany in 2013. In an article on the company's website, Ms. Tin recalled how she first had the idea for the app. In 2009, she found herself holding a cell phone in one hand and a small temperature-taking device in the other, and wishing she could merge the two to track her fertility days. Hence, the formulation of Clue. Today, the company has a lot of competition in the period and fertility tracking area, and plenty of other women-specific tools have come onto the market. LV, a London-based company, has marketed a wearable breast pump and pelvic exercise trainer and app. Another strand of femtech known as Menotech aims to improve women's lifestyles as they go through menopause, providing access to telemedicine and information and data that women can tap into. And then there are medical technology companies focused on cancer specific to women, such as cervical and breast cancer. Mobile ODT, a startup based in Tel Aviv, uses smartphones and AI to screen for cervical cancer. 
but the leading cause of cancer among women all over the world is breast cancer. One French startup is focused on dealing with its aftermath. Lattice Medical has developed a 3D printed hollow breast implant that allows for the regeneration of tissue and is absorbed by the body over time. How it works is that post-mastectomy, a surgeon harvests a small flap of fat from the area immediately around the woman's breast and places it inside the 3D-printed bioprosthesis. That piece of tissue grows inside the implant and eventually fills it out, and in the meantime, the 3D-printed shelf disappears completely 18 months later. So far, tests on animals have been encouraging, and clinical trials on women are expected to start in 2022, with the aim of getting the product into market in 2025. Despite these encouraging advancements, the reasons why femtech technology lags behind the marketplace is due to the high level of regulation required by medical technology. But the marketplace is poised to grow. According to a March 2020 report, revenue from femtech is expected to reach $1.1 billion by 2024. But critical to that growth and expansion, there has to be many more technology companies offering genuine health benefits to women, not just well-being apps crowding the market and adding little in terms of health or medical value. The industry is ready to grow significantly, due in part to not only the societal movements that are attempting to equalize medical and wellness treatments for women, but also that more and more women are running companies and investment funds. In 10 or 15 years from now, as a new generation takes over, things will change radically, and the femtech industry is poised to take advantage of that growth. You can read more of this article in our show notes. And now, other stories from this week. Becker's Health IT shares five healthcare marketing legal cases in the past five months that highlight hospitals and pharmaceutical companies that have dealt with legal issues revolving around their marketing initiatives and departments since October of last year. Health Finance posted a story of how anti-vaccination proponents inadvertently inspired a pro-vaccination social media campaign. Newly published guidance for pro-vaccination social media events written by the University of Pittsburgh health scientists arose from an analysis of a grassroots pro-vaccine campaign organized last year where more than three quarters of the tweets associated with the event were opposing vaccination. Cision PR Newswire posted that this week, Uber, PayPal, and Walgreens introduces vaccine access funds. This new fund allows customers to donate directly to efforts for COVID-19 vaccine access in underserved communities. And Uber even introduced a new in-app donation feature powered by PayPal. Lastly, be sure to check out the latest Health Soothsayers podcast, where Bonnie Clipper interviews Wendy Morgan, founder and CEO of Shift, about using virtual reality to improve students' outcomes in nursing and other healthcare disciplines, and how this technology can provide scenario-based implicit bias training. You can find all of these stories in our show notes. And that's it for this week's TPS5. If you like the latest in healthcare news delivered in an email format weekly to your inbox, be sure to subscribe to the TPS Report, which you can sign up for on the Touchpoint Media website at touchpoint.health. Stay safe, be positive, and have a great week.